It's good to be here with you this morning. Tonight we kick off VBS, which is why I'm sporting my kids' play shirt. Who's excited about VBS? Yeah, you can be excited. Um, In two weeks we're kicking off a new series called The Problem of God, and you've got a little invitation card in your bulletin. Uh, On the back it lets you know the problems we're going to be talking about, and uh, we're giving you these cards, one, so that way you know what's coming up and that you'll be sure to tune in and come by uh, for those Sundays. But also, uh, you probably have had conversations about some of these topics with friends, and this would be a great Sunday for you to invite them to. Uh, you might pick it and say, hey, you know, this is something we're doing. We've all got questions. Uh, why don't you come and join us? And so we're going to be putting these in the bulletins for this week and next, and, and we'll have them at the front desk if you need more. Uh, but just kind of want to put that on your radar because uh, after we finish this series up, uh, we're going to be kind of looking at some of the big obstacles we have to faith. Uh, today, though, we are in the middle of our series, uh, Fixer Upper, and we've been talking about just making change in life and making changes in our lives and in other people's lives. And, and we've seen through this series that dealing with people problems and problems inside of us, it's, it's messy and it requires us to get our hands dirty and and it takes work, and the bigger the change, the more work it takes, and that's just the nature of it. Uh, as we've gone through this series, we've been following a story uh, of, of a guy by the name of Nehemiah. Nehemiah lived a couple hundred years before the time of Jesus Christ, and, and he was a faithful God follower who God used to make some amazing changes in the city of Jerusalem. Uh, when Nehemiah came to Jerusalem, the walls were just leveled. They were tore down, and the city was in ruins, and the people were being exploited and been being attacked. And Nehemiah leaves a very comfortable uh, government job at the palace of the king who was in charge at that time to go to the city of Jerusalem to help the people there rebuild the city and rebuild their, 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 their nation and really do some amazing restorative work. And so we've been using Nehemiah's life and, and this book as sort of a maybe a best practices guide on how we might implement change in our own life. And so today as we get into that, uh, we're going to follow uh, his example and see what God did in his life as he uh, rebuilds that city. Uh, before we get into it, though, I'd like to pray and just ask God's blessing on our time uh, here together. So why don't you bow your heads with me? Gracious Lord, I thank you so much for everybody that's here, and God, for this, this next few uh, minutes that we're going to spend looking at your word, this next maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, God, would you open up our hearts and our minds? Because I, I know that you've got things you want to do in our lives. I know that you've got things you want to do in my heart and in my mind, and I know that every person here, there's something you want to do in their life. And so God, would you help us to be open and receptive uh, to your word and to your message uh, and to the change that you want to do in us. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, so as I thought about Nehemiah's life and I was reading through this book, it, it came to me that Nehemiah several times throughout the story could have been done. You know, he could have said, you know what, I did my job. I did all that there was for me to do. You know, he, he secures from the king permission to actually rebuild the wall, which is something they didn't have before. He, he gets the resources and the money. And, and Nehemiah could have said, you know what? I did my job. My job was sort, sort of be this government official to get you permission to do this. And now you guys go do the work. That's what I did. That's what you're going to do. But, but Nehemiah wasn't content being done there. 
he was still hungry to see more change. And so Nehemiah leaves his job, goes to the city of Jerusalem, and he starts to rebuild the wall. And he gets the people organized, and they're committed to build the wall. And, and now they've got a plan. And at that point in time, Nehemiah could have said, all right, that was my job. I, I came here to help you get started. And now I'm going to go back to where I'm at, and you stay here. But Nehemiah didn't. He was, he was still hungry. He was still hungry to see God do more. After they rebuilt the wall, we'll see here in a little bit, they'll get the wall built, and, and then, you know, all that's missing is the doors and the gates. And Nehemiah could have said, you know what, I did my job. It, this part's on you. But he, he didn't. He was still hungry for more. And, and even after the wall gets finished, we'll see in this text that he stays and he helps the city not just sort of live there, but now start to man it and to own it and to, to man the gates and the doors and, and to actually put a system in place that helps the city reestablish itself. Nehemiah didn't have to do that, but he did. That's the thing. The, the thing that I keep seeing in Nehemiah is that every time when he could be done, he keeps going for more. Nehemiah stays hungry. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes in the middle of a home improvement project, I run out of steam before I'm entirely done. I don't know. I don't know. We won't ask for a show of hands. First service, it was pretty funny. Everybody was like, well, all the women were looking at their husbands. Let's, let's just be, we'll just call it out for what it was. They, they're looking at their husbands like, that's kind of you, honey. Um, yeah, I don't know about you, but like you move into the house and you're like, all right, so we've painted everything except the trim. Man, we painted it all except that. But then, you know what? That's good enough. Let's move in. Let's get in here. We'll do this later. And, you know, it's years. Years go by, and we're not done with it. You know, it's mostly done, but it's not all done. It's starting to happen right now. I'm getting really close to home. Or, or you move into a new house, all right? You move into a new house, and you unpack things like you really desperately need to live, like the coffee maker. That's, that's on the counter. And, and you've got the beds put together, and you've got most of the clothes out. But you've got that one box that says pictures. And, and you know, they don't have to be up to, like, live. And so you're like, we're going to hang these later. And, and we run out of steam and that box like moves into a closet and then other stuff gets put on top of that box. And, and there's no pictures in your house for like, for like years. Or, or maybe you buy a frame and it's got a picture in it. And you think, I'm going to put a picture in there eventually of our family. But then you start to make up like a backstory for these models that are there. And how like, that's cousin Bill. And you know, that, that was taken right before he got laid off. And you know, his family looks really happy. And, and you got like this whole thing about like this family. And so now it's like, do you switch this picture out? You just kind of ran out of steam. You just, you couldn't finish the job. You didn't stay hungry. Now I thought about that. And I thought about like professional builders. Now, if you pay a painter to come to your house and you're like, hey, I need you to paint the house, to trim the walls, uh, they don't run out of steam. Why is that? It's because they don't get paid until the work is done. But, but, it, but for the people that are like me and you, who maybe it's our house and we're doing the painting and we're paying for it and we're having to do the work and we're living in it, it took a lot of energy maybe to get this done. And now we just kind of run out of steam in it. So we're like, yeah, this, it's kind of good enough. And we don't stay hungry for more. It, yeah, that's true in our spiritual lives as well. God starts to do some things in our lives. And, and maybe you came you know, to church and God started to do some things in your life. And your life went from being like a total train wreck to like you know, being a manageable train wreck. And you started to think to yourself, you know, this is it. This is good. And, and, and that's fine. And you say, I, I, yeah, I'm going to be done now. It's good 
enough. It happens to people professionally, too. You start with a lot of ambition, and you're going, man, I'm going to reach this level. And as you go through life, and you get training and experience, and you start to get a little bit closer, you eventually peter out, and you hit some sort of plateau, and you're like, you know, that's, that's good enough for me. I don't have to go further. It happens all the time in marriages. You know, people put so much time and energy and emotional, just everything into getting married. And then they get married and they say, oh, you know what? We're married. That's good enough. And in a couple of years, they come back to my office and they'll go, you know, we just don't seem to really just love each other. Well, it's because you didn't stay hungry. You didn't want to stay connected. It'll happen in school, right? Everybody like leaves summer break and they're like, you know, this is going to be the semester that I get straight A's. This is it. This is the semester straight A's on the horizon. And then you get about mid, you're like your midterm report and you get it and you go, you know what? I don't have any C's. You know, I, everything's B or better. B is, B is better. So, you know, let's stick with B. You know, I've got a couple A's. That's good enough. And we don't stay hungry for more. Friends, if you take nothing else this morning, I want you to take this. Stay hungry. We can't be done with one win. We can't be done with a little bit of success. We've got to allow our early success to make us hungry for greater future success. Here's what I think happens. Whether it's your personal life, your professional life, whether it's in your spiritual life, what happens is we come so far and we become content with where we have come from. We become content with the past. And we take that contentment and we turn it into complacency about the future. We should be content about where we've come from, but we should never be complacent about where we're going. We need to stay hungry. Often things come and they derail us. You know, we get a little bit of success and then maybe we hit an obstacle or maybe to get to the next step, it seems, gosh, it's awfully hard to get there. And, and we don't have it in us to get there. We don't stay hungry. Nehemiah faces one of these, these bumps in the road. Nehemiah has been threatened and coerced and they've tried to trap him. They've tried to stop him every step of the way. And now here the wall is done, except for the gates and for the doors. It's like Nehemiah, he's moved into the house. The trim isn't painted, the pictures aren't hung, but it's good enough. And he faces one more obstacle, some people kind of attacking him. And I love this verse, Nehemiah chapter 6, verse 3. Here's what he says. He says, I am doing a great work. Notice he doesn't say, I've done a great work, or I've completed a great work. He says, I'm in the middle of this. I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? You see, Nehemiah is hungry. He's saying, I am on a roll. Why am I going to stop to come down and, and, and just allow your negativity and your criticism to come and to derail me? He says, I'm not finished. I'm still hungry. And friends, that's something we've all got to learn. We've got to keep going. We're going to have to work hard to finish strong. We can't be satisfied with half of a job. We've got to stay hungry for more. Too often we take early success as a statement that that's all God wants to give or do in our lives. But let me tell you, friends, God isn't done with you. Some of you, maybe in, in your marriages, you're going, well, I'm not divorced. That's great, but God wants more for you 
than to just say, I'm not divorced. He wants you to say, I have a marriage that is full of joy and gives me life. That's what God wants for you. So don't stop here when God has got something more. You know, I think some people come to church and they're like, you know, I I don't sin anymore. If you looked at our mission statement, our mission statement doesn't anywhere say, we hope people just stop sinning and just sit in the pew and just sit here, just sit here and stop, stop sinning. No, we're about loving people and encouraging people and serving people and sharing people because the gospel's proactive. Jesus says, go out and do these things. Don't just sit there and say, well, I'm not sinning. Be proactive. There is more than just not sinning. He doesn't want you to just be not sad. He wants to fill you with joy, friends. So often we get a win and we give up. We've got to stay hungry. You know, it, it happens in every area of our life. You know, you lose five pounds and you're like, oh, that's it. Yeah, that's great. And you don't stay hungry to lose the next five pounds. But let me tell you, if you stay hungry long enough, you'll lose five pounds. Science is on my side. You've talked with people about church. You've talked with them about what you think about church. And you've talked with them about going to church. Take it to the next step and invite them to come to church with you. Don't give up. Stay hungry. Use your success, your momentum to catapult you to greater success in the future. Don't just stop with the half marathon. Go all the way to the whole marathon. Uh, Philadelphia Eagles center Jason Kelsey during their Super Bowl uh, parade victory rally, uh, he gave a speech. It was some speech. Um, as he explained their victory over the Patriots. And here's how he explained uh, their victory. Here, here's why he said Philadelphia beat, uh, beat the Patriots. Here, are you ready for this? Simple. He says, we wanted it more. That's it. He didn't say we were a better team. He didn't say we were faster or stronger or smarter. He simply said, we wanted it more. And as a matter of fact, this is actually sort of a nod to a banner that the Eagles have hanging up in their locker room. You ready for this? All season long, when they're in their locker room, here's what the banner said. It says, hungry dogs run faster. That's it, friends. Hungry dogs run faster. They knew they had to stay hungry if they were going to achieve what they set out to achieve. Friends, we have got to stay hungry, and yet it is so hard as Americans in general, but American Christians in specific. You know, we live in a time and a place where, I mean, we've got like air conditioning in a building. Like this is, like we live in the future. This is amazing. We've got like this screen here, and and we look at ourselves and we go, you know, I'm pretty comfortable here, and we don't stay hungry for more. You know, we've got Bibles, you know, all sorts of Bibles, NASCAR Bibles and sports Bibles and hunters Bibles and Bibles in safety orange and pocket-sized Bibles and Bibles in a thousand different translations, and we're not hungry for more of God's Word. We've got everything we need, and yet we are not hungry. But let me tell you something. God isn't done with us. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. He's not done with his church. He's not done with Bowling Green. He's not done with the ministry that's happening here. He wants more for us. And he's telling us to stay hungry. And so on our our time remaining, I want to give us four ideas on how we might stay hungry inspired by the life of Nehemiah. First thing is this, is to just simply realize God's capable of more. We can stay hungry when we realize that God is capable of more. 
you know, a lot of times people view sort of Christianity as like this one event, like, you know, I came forward, I got saved, you know, I got baptized, that's it, I'm done. I'm good to go. Well, you might be good to go for eternity, but God says, I want you to be good to go right now. I've got more things planned for you than just giving you sort of eternal life insurance. I want to give you abundant life right now. I've got a plan and a purpose for you. I, I get that it's difficult. Maybe some of you, you've gone through faith life for a while. And you've had some bumps in the road, and you've faced some obstacles, and things have been hard, and you want to quit. I get that. That's life. That's how it goes. But we've got to stay hungry for more. Nehemiah faces this. He's got yet one more threat shows up in chapter 6. These are people that aren't just, you know, talking trash about him. These are people that would kill him if they got the chance. And here's what he says, Nehemiah 6, 9. He says, all of them were trying to frighten us. They thought their hands will get too weak to do the work, so it won't be completed. But I prayed to God. I said, make my hands stronger. Nehemiah prays to God because he knows that God isn't done yet. He knows that the God who created him, who created this earth, who created the sun, moon, and stars, who created this thing we call atmosphere and ocean and sky, the the God who created birds and fish, he knows that God isn't done with him just because the wall is finished. He says, God's capable of more. I'm still hungry. If you're here this morning and you have stopped praying and asking God to do something amazing in your life, start again. Because God is capable of more. God is capable of doing some amazing things in your life. Don't cut yourself off from those blessings. Stay hungry. The second thing we need to do is this, is to remember why we started. You know, if we were to be honest with ourselves, a lot of people come to church because they're facing a crisis. It's just kind of how it is. You know, life's bad, I go to church. But unfortunately, often the reverse is true also, that when life is good, I don't come to church. And so like, you know, how's your day going? Well, if you're at church, it's obviously been a bad week. If you're not at church, you know, it's been a pretty good week. And we go to church and we treat God sort of like crisis management, like just, God, can you help me get through this? Can you help me get through this? Can you help me get through this? And we find ourselves living from crisis to crisis to crisis. But, but, but here's the thing. I know that, that nobody comes to God and says, God, would you just help me make it through this crisis so I can face one more crisis? Nobody ever said, God, will you just help me to sur- so like survive life and just, just sort of like exist and, and make it through this really difficult time so I can face another really difficult time? Nobody does that. We all say, God, would you help me to live this abundant life that you've created me to live? Will you help me to become the person you've created me to be? And, and yes, it might take you through difficulties. And yes, it might take you through obstacles. But you stay hungry through that because you know why you started Because you know that Jesus is transforming you into being a little bit more like him as you face these obstacles. And yet we forget that when life gets going good. It's similar to, I think, why many addicts, they can successfully complete a rehab program. They can do 90 meetings in 90 days. But if you follow up with them a year later, half to a third of them are are no longer in sobriety. Why is that? It's because they started with their early success and they said, that's enough. That's all I need. And they weren't hungry for more. They didn't remember why they started. Friends, let's not forget that God has called us to himself. So that way we can be a witness for Jesus Christ in Bowling Green and throughout the world. I'm still hungry for more. I hope you are too.
Third thing we need to do is this, is we need to remember that we cannot fill up on the praise or criticism of others. You know, listen, heaven's not full. Hell's not full either. There's still more people to reach. And yet we so often get distracted, not by what God is telling us, but by what other people are telling us. We allow ourselves to get dragged into a mud wrestling match when what we need to do is focus on what God has called us to do. You know, we get sidetracked and we, we try to think that what we're doing is pleasing people, but what we're called to do is to please God. You know, Nehemiah time and again faces the challenges of others' others' opinions. Most of the time it's negative, and they keep sort of derailing, they're wanting to derail him, but he won't have it. And yet so often we get derailed by the praise or criticism of others. You know, you might have started coming to church because you were hungry for Jesus. And yet as you started coming to church, people were like, oh, it's good you're coming to church. You know, maybe it's your family, your friends, parents, or kids, or, or that cute girl you came to church with, and you just wanted to impress these people. And you get so filled up with the praise of others that you forget why you came was to seek more of Jesus. We get filled up on these things, just like when you go to like the, the Mexican restaurant place, right? You know, and they bring out all that chips and salsa, and you ordered yourself a really big dish, and you're like, why did I order all this food? Or like Olive Garden, those breadsticks, or the fazolis. They keep coming, and like we don't ever really want to eat afterwards. At Red Lobster, they've got those cheddar biscuits. They can keep bringing those because those are, those are special. But something happens in us spiritually. We start to get filled up with all of these other things, and we forget that that's not really what satisfies. We didn't go out saying, man, I just hope I can have bread for dinner. I want to have a meal. I want something of substance. And that's the problem. The praise and criticism of others isn't anything of substance. It won't last. It changes so fast. Think about uh, Dave Ramsey, his uh, little book, maybe you've heard of it, Financial Peace University. Um, he packages that up. He's had a lot of success as a, as a financial planner down in Nashville. He sends it to a publisher, and the publisher sends him back with a rejection letter, says there is not a market for this. Guess who's made a million dollars off that? Not that publisher. Now, friends, what would have happened if he had said to himself, you know what, I guess that's it. I'm full. I try. They, they didn't want it. How many people would have missed out on, on the true, I mean, honest to goodness, liberation that people experience as they get their finances under control and they get set free from debt? But, but Dave stayed hungry. He said, no, there is something more. There's something more that God is going to do with this. And he pursued it. Listen, we have got to stop and take stock of where we are as individuals and say, if I wasn't afraid of the praise or criticism of others, what would I do? And allow that to reset us about the things that we're truly hungry for. Fourth thing we need to do if we're going to stay hungry is this. We need to surround ourselves with hungry people. I like to go to um, the buffet with college guys. It's so much more fun than going with middle-aged guys. If you've ever been to a buffet with college-age uh, guys, you know that they take this very seriously. Um, I was talking to one guy one morning, and I said, uh, I said you know, uh, he told me he was hungry, and I said, oh, I said, would you not have breakfast? He said, no. He said, I'm going to the buffet later today. 
you know, I, I ate a real big meal last night, so I get my stomach stretched, and then I skip breakfast, and I keep drinking water, so that way when I get to the buffet, I'm ready. And if you go to the buffet with college guys, you know that, like, they come back, and it's not like a timid plate. Like, it's piled. I mean, it's a thick plate. And, and they're eating, and they don't stop to talk much because, I mean, they're, they're hungry. They want to consume. And so they eat that whole plate, and they don't, there's no manners. There's no politeness being like, hey, you want to go back to the buffet later? They're like, all right, I'm done. And they're, they're gone, and they're sprinting to consume some calories so that way they can consume more calories. And so they go, and they're, like, on plate three, and, and they're talking. And you're like, man, you know, last time I was here, I did six plates. And the other guy's like, no, I did seven. And they're like, but have you been here with Bill? Because Bill, like he had nine the last time we were here. And they're, they're just eating. And it's like enthusiastic. You go like middle-aged guys or like a work group. They're like, man, my pants were tight when I came in here. I don't want any of that salad. It's been here for like a week because the college guys, they don't eat that lettuce buffet. And then they get like a plate, and they're like, ah, oh, you know, it's not worth it for me to come to buffets anymore. You know, I don't even know, I always feel gross when I, I leave this place. I used to be able to eat, but, you know, I can't. It's depressing. It's sad. I mean, these are people who, they're not hungry. They don't want any more. You've got to go with the college guys, because these are guys that want to eat. And let me tell you, life, it's better than a buffet. It really is. It's got more choices. It's got more things to offer. But so many people live their life in Christ like it's dull and boring. And they're like, oh, you know, I got saved a while ago. I did a Bible study once. It was, you know, it just wasn't my thing. I tried serving. You know, I did that. Friends, that's not what God wants for you. If your life in Christ is dull and boring, it might be because you've allowed other people to tell you that you've had enough. And you're not hungry. It seems to me in church circles we value things like meekness and quietness and complacency. Or maybe it's contentment. is virtuous. And yet as I read Jesus, it seems to me that he values passion. How about this? Revelation 3.15 says this. He says, I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. You're just, uh, room temperature. He says, I wish that you were either cold or hot so because you are lukewarm, neither cold, neither hot. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. How about this? Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, what does he say? He says, blessed are those who are, what does it say? Hungry and thirsty for what is right. Jesus, before the Dos Equis world's most interesting man told us to stay thirsty, Jesus said, stay thirsty. Stay hungry. Stay hungry. I've got more to do. I have more things I want to do. I I want to do things with your life. I want to do something amazing. But he can't if we don't stay hungry. Nehemiah, he knew that he needed to surround himself with people who would help him remember that, to stay hungry. We read about this. We won't look at this one right now. But in Nehemiah chapter 7, we read that Nehemiah starts to appoint people to, to surround him. One of the people is his brother Hananiah. And he says this. He says he had more respect for God than most people do. You see, Nehemiah didn't surround himself with people who he was better than. Nehemiah didn't surround himself with people who were, you know, content and complacent. Nehemiah surrounded himself with people who were hungry because he wanted to stay hungry. 
because he knew God wasn't finished and that God had more to do with him. You know, it, it was a, a couple years ago, but I'll never forget this. I was at a restaurant and I had a plate that I had eaten from. And it was one of those meals where it was super good. And like, I ate like literally everything, even the parsley, like all I've got on the plate is like the juices of whatever used to be there. And I mean, I thought about licking it, but I mean, I'm at a restaurant, I got to be, you know, little decorum. And so I've got it there. I've got my knife and fork laying across this empty plate. And the waiter comes and he looks at the plate. He looks at me, he says, are you done? And I remember sort of being a little snarky, and I said, well, I said, do you think I could get more out of that? And he said, I don't think so. He said, but last week I took somebody's plate, and they were still hungry, and they literally stabbed my hand with a fork. Rock on. I mean, I feel bad for that guy. And, and I'm not advocating you should be stabbing people with forks. Let's just be clear. But I appreciate people that are hungry, and they know they're hungry. And they say, you know what? Don't take that from me. I'm not done. Friends, as we're in the middle of, of a life renovation project, it's so easy to get moved into life, and it seems like everything's done except, well, except the trim or the paint or the pictures. But friends, stay hungry because God wants to finish that work. He wants to do it in your life. He wants to do it in my life. He wants to do it in this church. But it requires us staying hungry. So this morning, we're going to have an invitation song. We do this every week because we know that God's at work. And we're still hungry for one more person who's going to say, you know what, I want to become a part of this. Just in first service, we had somebody join the church, Leanne Crawley. It was great. We celebrated that. Perhaps for some of you this morning, that's you. You're saying, man, you know what, I'm hungry to be part of a body of believers and I want to be connected and I want to surround myself with people that are going to help me stay hungry. Man, if that's you this morning, we'd love to welcome you into our, our church as part of our church family. You could come forward this morning. You could do that. Uh, others of you, man, you, you need to surround yourself with people that are hungry. And you've been coming to church for a while, but you've never gotten to know other people who are hungry for Jesus. If so, the, the most spiritual thing you could do today is fill out that community group form. And you could get connected there. Others of you, you've never received Jesus Christ and you are starving for him. And this morning, it's time for you to accept that, to accept Jesus Christ and allow him to come into you and to satisfy that hunger, but to give you a new kind of hunger that involves reaching other people for Jesus Christ. If that's you this morning, we'll invite you to come forward as we sing this song.